welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Hello to our listeners. This is Lucy. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about expectations, demands, complaints, and how we shift those things into agreements and requests. And so when Jamie, Avery, and I began this podcast last spring, we started with the agreement among each other that we would be releasing episodes of the podcast on a weekly basis. And this has been so fun and so great. And we can imagine that you as the listener might now have the expectation that you'll be hearing from us on a weekly basis. So we wanted to let you know of a new agreement that we've made that will be changing this. In our effort to make a little more space in our business, we're looking to grow some of our speaking and workshops and other avenues. We are going to be testing out doing the podcast every other week. And so that's the new agreement we had. We wanted to give you a heads up that that'll start at the beginning of March. So we have today's episode, two more weeks of weekly episodes, and then we will move to the every other week format. So just wanted to give you a heads up so you would know what to expect. And our request is that you have any feelings about this, thoughts, reactions, you are welcome to let us know. And we'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Enjoy the episode. Welcome. Today, we are continuing our series on relationships, and we're going to be talking about taking off the armor of expectations, complaints, and demands, and instead settling into the practices of making requests and agreements. So let's start with expectations, complaints, and demands. Expectations are often unspoken, even unconscious. So how do expectations get us in trouble in relationships? And you may not have any, so you may have no experience (laughs) with this whatsoever. I mean, I think I have basic expectations of what it means to enter into a committed relationship. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I expect Robert to remain faithful to me, don't engage in infidelity. And I mean, that's the expectation I have for myself. I expect him to be a committed and loving parent. I expect for us to not follow traditional gender roles and for us to have more of a egalitarian kind of relationship. So, I mean, I think basic broad expectations for having a committed relationship, I try to stick to those other sorts of expectations about what I interpret as loving and caring behaviors, which sometimes people can get caught up with like, well, if this shows that you don't love me because you didn't do this, those kinds of things are, I feel like a lot more harmful. Even though in that that first set, which mm-hmm. you kind of just described as like defaults, like it kind of depends though, right? So we, we might imagine someone who really is interested in having an open relationship or someone who like, I want the man to be the breadwinner. And I think the woman should stay home and raise kids. So those traditional gender roles mm-hmm. would be really important to them. Right. And I think the tricky part is, are those things implicit or explicit? Ooh, Have yeah. you voiced those Or are these things that you're carrying around and you haven't said those things? Exactly, which is what we'll talk about in the second part of today. Mm -hmm. Like instead of like we have to make agreements around that because we've got to make all of that explicit. Because if we don't, like that's where it gets us into trouble. So if I signed up to marry someone and then six months in decide that like, oh, no, they're thinking that we're still going to date other people or that I'm going to quit work. And that'd be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. I think expectations is kind of like a general theme really gets me in trouble Mm -hmm. because I get 
they kind of make me more rigid and it's more like expecting like the minutia, right? Expecting the mm-hmm. way things are going to go, expecting the way that birthdays are going to be celebrated, expecting the way that Christmas is going to be handled. Like it, that, that I have kind of this idealized, perfect, perfectionistic scenario in my mind of how things are going to go. And people don't necessarily like play the parts that I want them to play. And that can really trip me up. Cause I think some of these big expectations, obviously you need to have some of these conversations before you go forward in the relationship. But I think in a more like small, like the minutia kind of sure. expectations really can mm-hmm. get in my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Avery, in some ways you're tapping into kind of a related idea. I think in relationships in particular, we often get caught in fantasy. Yeah. And fantasy oh, and expectation can kind of like overlap, but here's how it should be. Yes. Right. And we have mm-hmm. this like a storybook idea around things and then have a lot of disappointment or this anger or resentment. Us. Yeah. Yeah. When it doesn't measure up. So when we have expectations and we don't speak them aloud, what can happen? One thing I hear a lot in clinical work, and I certainly have fallen to this, I think, earlier in my marriage of like that, well, he should know that. He should know that I want to go on a date. It doesn't matter as much. if It's not the same if I say I need you to take me out for dinner than if he says, I like that this kind of getting wrapped up in the like shoulds and oughts and like in some way asking for what I want cheapens the experience of me getting what I want. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. 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 I think so. That mind reading that couples can get into is so problematic. Like he, he or she should just know, or they like should the just desire for mind reading. Well, yeah. like, if I have to say it, it doesn't matter anymore. Like right. if I have to say, Jamie, I want you to take me out for coffee. Then you taking me out to coffee. It, it's gone. It negates the experience. Right. And then there's the interpretation of the story that you make about it, which is like, Oh, well, they don't care about me then. Like they should That's just right. know. Otherwise they don't, they don't really care. They don't really love me. They don't respect me. All of those sorts mm-hmm. of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are, problematic. They're very problematic. And another story I think to add on top of that is that means it's not the right person. If this was yeah. the right one, they would know all my wants and needs mm-hmm. without me having to speak them yes. aloud. Yeah. It's very if magical. Love, yes. It's uh-huh. like it's yes. a magical, magical, magical way of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And that's something I think in my relationship, I don't know how the, this has come up for y'all, but you talk about someone taking you to dinner. I, I use the example sending you flowers, right? If I have to ask someone to send me flowers, like it's not as much fun when I get the flowers. But I think the way I've tried to think about it, it's almost like you're you're like training someone a little bit, right? Here's what I want. Here's what I need. Here are the sorts of things that matter to me. And if every time then over the next 17 years, I have to ask to be sent flowers, like maybe that would be more of an issue. But the idea is, can someone kind of get a sense of here's who you are? And this is the way that I like to be loved and cared That's for, right. yeah. which it could be very different from the way that you want to be loved and cared That's for. Right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of changes over time. I think early in my marriage, I definitely fell into that trap of like, well, you should want to spend time with me. You should want to go on a date. And I think now at this point, it's like, nope, we need to go on a date. Like, I, I'm happy to plan it. I need you to plan or whatever. But like kind of making those things more explicit, I think, can be really helpful. And, and so that you can be sure that you're not getting mixed messages or like that it's not a miscommunication, yeah. you know? So why do you think we're so reluctant to express what we want and what we need? that's really what we're like tapping into mm-hmm. with some of this. I think it's hard. I mean, I don't know that a lot of us 
have been taught or trained on how to do that. And I think that there are very fanciful notions of love and relationships. And, you know, we see a lot of movies that are romantic comedies, you know, it's very predictable on how things go when they, when they meet, you know, and then go through some sort of like little trouble and then it magically sort Mm -hmm. of works out in the end. And I, I think people can get really caught up in this fanciful notion of love and romantic relationships. Happily ever after. Yeah, right. Absolutely. There's never, ever a problem again. Right. You solve the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes there's even a problem before that is knowing what you want and need. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think absolutely. for many of us, we're not even really clear mm-hmm. about here's how I like to be loved. Yes. Right. Here mm-hmm. are the things that matter to me. Here's what I really want. Mm-hmm. Right. And because I, I, I think that can be uncomfortable. I think, again, like I think, especially as women, I think we're kind of taught to not really have that many like needs or desires or wants like that, that somehow is not, I don't know, not being feminine or not being, I mean, that that we're, that it's not something that's valued for us to kind of ask for what we want or demand what we need. I think there is like that, it's, it's almost like two phases, right? Of like knowing what you need and want, which is a whole process. And then being able to verbalize, express it in a way that actually has a chance of getting you what you want is like a whole other set of skills, uh, right? Because I could ask you what I want for something that I want with like zero chance of getting it. If I'm going to scream it at you or yell at you or you never do this for me. Like there are a lot of ways to communicate what I want and not really probably get it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes what happens is we have expectations or wants and needs. We don't verbalize them either because we're not aware of them or we don't want to, or we're afraid to, like all these things get in the way, but then it like builds and we become angry and resentful. And then that's where like often the demands and complaints come, Mm -hmm. right? It's all kind of explodes. And then we do it in a way, like you're saying, Avery, that really reduces the likelihood (laughs) of like it going well for anyone. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I agree completely. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So now that we're like set on that, what about complaining? How does this come up for y'all? What do you see with your clients with complaints? So complaints, I don't mind so much. It depends on how specific they are. And is it limited to a certain behavior? So if I tell Robert, I'm frustrated that you've left your dirty clothes next to the bed, you know, again, for the the third time this week. Okay. (laughs) So that's a complaint. It's me expressing my frustration as being very specific about his behavior. But if I criticize him and say, Mm. you are freaking lazy and I do so much around here and you're not paying attention and I've asked you this 50 times and you just don't listen. I mean, all of those, that criticism of him and the story that I've created about him just leaving his socks on the floor makes it become a really big issue. And it's, it's very, it can be very hard to repair after something like that. Yes, it's personal. Mm -hmm. It it is personal. So complaint I don't mind so much. Again, if they're delivered in a loving way, they're very specific and it's very behaviorally oriented. So even that feels a little different than what I was thinking about with complaints, because I think often when we complain, we don't do it to the person. Right. Mm. Right. It's like someone else. And it's it's more of like a global generalization. So rarely do I hear someone complain and say, Robert left his socks on the floor for the third time this week. It's more of like, he's such a fucking slob who never picks up anything. (laughs) Right. And we get like real general. It's everything all the time. It's yeah. judgmental. It's judgmental. It's an, right. You hear all the absolutes. He always or he never, never. She always. She never. You know, anytime you hear those two words enter in. Yeah, that's not really a, a 
complaint based in reality. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes Robert picks his socks up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always and never, that. hardly ever true, right? Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think about complaints, I have, I think about this funny story. John and I had been married for like two weeks and he was like kind of talking in his sleep and I was like, John, and he turns over and he goes, where do I turn in my complaint? <laughs> he says, I was on a job. I was definitely dreaming about work. I'm like, yeah, right. Okay, where do I turn in my complaints? I'm like, not here. And I also think there is that like complaining not to the person. And then we can kind of get in the habit. And I don't know that we know how damaging that can be. Yeah. Like if the three of us sat around for the next hour complaining about our husbands and then all went home, I don't know that it would, I think it would translate. I think it would affect how we're looking at them. Yeah. thinking about. So I, I do think it's helpful to get support and kind of vent and all of that. But I think falling into those complaint, complaining kind of cycles may not be that beneficial. Yeah. And sometimes I think of the, and I've never thought about it with complaining, but venting as being like the first layer. And mm. like, I know for me, sometimes I just need like kind of a tacky, I'm not necessarily proud of it, like venting <laughs> yeah, to like yeah. get to what's underneath. That's right. Yes. Does that make sense? You've got to let that out. But if you stop there, like you were saying, if we just complained, but if we can like throw around a few complaints and vents and then kind of either feel like supported and understood, like, great, then we go home feeling better. Or we kind of go home with a clearer sense of, yeah, here's probably what I need to say and how I need to talk about it. That would be useful. Like an action plan. Okay, great. Yeah. 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 An action plan, a solution, it's some sort of a solution or a direction in where you want to go. You know, if the complaints are just constant and they fall flat and nothing changes, yes. I mean, it's going to wear down the state of your relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm especially if it doesn't let it go. So sometimes you, if you yes. complain and then you get kind of validated, we're like, oh my God, my husband does that too. And we can all be like, okay, right? And then yeah. you can kind of like let it go or accept it. Mm-hmm. And some things we can just, we don't need to address everything mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like when you kind of blow off steam, does it really like evaporate? Or do, is it, do, am I still left with something yeah. that's like, I really, this is a problem that needs to be solved or something that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other issue that comes to mind when I think about complaining is sometimes complaining is a way to put all of our energy on someone else Mm -hmm. and like they're the issue and they're the problem. And we avoid kind of taking responsibility for ourselves and our own stuff. And I think that probably all of us deal with this therapeutically when clients come in and they're talking a lot about someone else. And I've said like, unfortunately, they're not in the room, right? right? We can't do anything with them. So like, what are your pieces here? Mm -hmm. You know, and how do we move back to a more empowered sense rather than just kind of complaining about someone else? That's right. And I think to your point that you're making, sometimes we need to complain to kind of blow off the steam. So that because if we're angry, that's not really a time that we're going to be our most reflective selves. But if I can say, oh, my God, this is so I'm so annoyed and like kind of get that out in the first five or 10 minutes, get some validation. Then you can kind of step into like, okay, what, you know, being that it's only me in this, in, you know, the, the only person I'm kind of control of is me. What can I do? What am I willing to do? Yeah. To and, I, forward? and I think it's really important to pay attention to your emotional state as you're doing it. Is the complaining, the venting, is it revving you up or is it helping you That's regulate good. and for you to get the support that you need? Because yeah, if it's revving like you that. up and you're ruminating and you're doing those, you're just keeping yourself stuck in that anger and that frustration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So we have to look at the function of yep. what we're doing. Yeah. What about demands? Either of you demanders? I think I might be demanding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, probably. Like, I think there've been times in my marriage that I've been like, this must be, I must have this. You must do this. 
I, Avery, I think I am too, but I think it's about control. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Oh, 100%. It's not so much about like wanting to like be the boss. It's not so much a power play, but this like need for things to be done like in a certain way. That's right. And I need to know, like, I need to know, like, I need to know that this is going to be done. I need to know it's going to be done the way I want it. And that, that more like to, I can feel that energy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's more to manage my own anxiety, stress, whatever I'm feeling versus like a, yeah, anything productive or helpful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm trying to think, I don't know that Robert would say that I'm, demanding or that I make too many demands. But I think like you, Lucy, I mean, I think it may be more along the lines of, you know, smaller expectations about how I would like for things to go off or trying to control the uncertainty of a situation. But demands, ultimatums, like those sorts of things, like those, I don't, I don't tend towards those. Not so much your language. No. Yeah. 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 So I think all of these things, expectations, complaints, and demands, you know, we're talking about them in the context of an interpersonal relationship, but I think it's also important to notice that these are all things we do to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So the expectations Mm -hmm. we place on ourselves, the way we demand things of and for ourselves, complaining about ourselves to ourselves. And I think it bears, you know, mentioning with this topic in particular, because if we're showing up for ourselves that way, like it's going to spill over Mm -hmm. into our closest relationships. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I think about the same thing of like when you're critical to everyone around you, the chances of you being really self-critical are very high because that's just kind of the lens through which you see the world, right? Whether it's external or internal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like when if I'm struggling with perfectionism, you know, on my own standards and things, how I like to have that done, chances are it's going to leak out into my relationship, my family. Yeah. And they'll be on the receiving end of that. So before we move over into like what we do about this, but how do expectations, complaints, and demands, how do these serve as armor for us? Because I kind Mm -hmm. of think about them as armor. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think when I think of expectations, I think are the one of those things that I relate to the most is that it really does keep me separate from the people around me because I'm the one with the expectation. I have this, it's usually very perfectionistic of like, I have a vision. And you're either going to go with my vision or you need to get the fuck out of the way. Uh And there's really not another option, but like Uh really no part of that is like a together community. And this is the right way. That's Oh, 100%. (laughs) And it's either you fit as a little cog into my vision or you are like a fucking problem. Right. And none of that is communal. Right. Like that's all separate. And I think it does. It separates me both that mindset, but also, I mean, it doesn't really feel good to be a cog and it certainly doesn't feel really good when your humanness is like fucking up the program. And I think it does serve as a way for me, like I get to be perfect and I get to be settled and I get to be the one with a vision and I get to be the one that gets to call the shots and you either kind of get with the program or get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Separates me from really from my family. I mean, when I, when I fall into that. Yeah. I mean, I think all of those expectations, demands, complaints, those sorts of things, you know, we don't typically think of those as positive tools, <laughs> right? In a relationship. A I mean, yeah. And so, I mean, if you're going to want to strengthen your connection with your partner, generally, those aren't going to do it for you. They're not. And to your point, Avery, it, it does. It keeps you very separate. It makes it less likely that your partner is going to be open with you and be vulnerable. And it just makes it a really, you know, it's honestly kind of an unsafe place to be at that time. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it, it was one thing I was just thinking about with like even the complaining and demanding. I mean, it's a mindset, right? I mean, all three of these things are a mindset, which is like, I'm right. And you're either 
deciding the same thing I'm deciding. So you're right. You can be right too, or you're wrong. There's like a dichotomy kind of mindset here of like, I have the expectation and you can either meet them or not, or I'm complaining. And so the lens that I'm seeing is that you're doing something wrong or I'm demanding, which means that you have to meet my demands. It's not a compromising communal back and forth. It's more like I get to make the map and you either follow the map or you do not. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not collaborative and it's collaborative, also, yeah, that's the word it's I was not, looking for. it's not collaborative and it's not you taking the perspective of the other person. Correct. And I can't tell you how many times like partners, they get in the space where they do this and causes so much hurt to the other partner. I mean, who wants to be in a relationship where you feel like you're always in the wrong, doing something wrong and that you never measure up. I mean, that is such a, a hard place it's to be. It's a dictatorship, in. right? Yeah. Nobody wants to be in a relationship with that. Like that's it's difficult. Yeah. I think often that's kind of what we do to ourselves yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And so like who wants yeah. to hear that? So like don't sign me up for that. Like mm-hmm. no thanks. Right. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah. So when we come at life where we're like armored up with these things, we're not as able to be as present. And as as y'all have said, like it really does interfere with connecting and kind of like gets in the way. It's like thing in between us. So you may ask, right, if we're going to drop our armor of like (laughs) expectations and demands and complaints, what do we do instead, right? And the two big things that come to mind for me are requests and agreements. And so when we think about what we mean by making requests and how we do this, and this hit me like a thunderbolt about a year and a half ago. I was in a kind of a training program. We were talking about some of this. And the example that came to mind, and it's so funny, but I think it's a good one. So Britt and I go to the grocery together some. And we have very different like grocery shopping habits, right? So I am like slow as molasses, which is kind of how I do everything in life. Like I like to kind of like look and evaluate. It takes me forever to like make up my mind, right? So I like move real slow and he's like into efficiency and productivity. So super fast. So like I'm in the produce aisle and before I know it, like I have like six things in my hand and he's like nowhere to be found. And he's like four aisles over with the cart, mind you. He like takes the cart, like schlep things around. And so what I have done for years is just be mad, right? Like, why do you always leave me? Like, you're such a jerk, right? Like that's it's not fair. Like, oh, I'm so mad. And all of a sudden it hit me like actually underneath my complaining and my demands, right? There's this request, right? And the request is like, don't leave me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. will you stay with me? And it hit me that that is so much more vulnerable to like show up. And I think that's one reason why we use the armor, right? Because requests and agreements are more vulnerable, but often underneath some of that is some sort of like request. And if Mm -hmm. we can get to that, it's like softer and more open and just has a different energy. What's y'all sense around that? Yeah. Kind of like what we were saying before about packaging things so people can hear them. I'm thinking if I'm Brent and you're like, you always leave and you never stay with me, then I'm like, oh, fuck this. I got to (laughs) go. But if you're like, please don't leave. It's like, oh, Lucy, I'll hold your hand through the whole grocery store. You know, it just feels so different. And it really puts, I think, both of you in a position where you can get what you need, right? And I think that it requires that vulnerability. And I think where I've found myself fall more into that expectation loop is where I'm angry or I do feel left. I feel, I don't know, I I have some sort of negative emotion that makes me want to armor up and keep myself separate, which can be really hard. I mean, if you're upset with the partner, if you're angry, if you feel resentful, if you, some of those feelings can make you really want to stay armored up. And it could be like the opposite of what you want to do to show any vulnerability. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with feeling like you are alone in the partnership. Oh, Jamie, really? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Like when, when that comes out, that 
that anger, that those sorts of things. It's like, I have been left alone sort of in this mess and I reached for you or I want to reach for you and you weren't there for me. Even if it's a benign sort of Mm -hmm. thing, like Brent's off, you know, four aisles ahead with a grocery cart, but yet it can still feel the same. Yeah, it can can absolutely feel like I'm alone Mm. in this. Well, and I reached for you and you weren't there. So now I have to do it myself. And that's a lonely feeling, but it yes. also kind of comes with this, like, and so I'm not going to reach for you anymore. Yeah. Like, of, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt like that. And so I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. Like, this is what I can control. Well, and then if we have the story, like, if you really loved me, you would know I'm still in produce, right? And you would like, <laughs> right. you know, you would know that I need help picking you the were, cantaloupe, right? Yes. Like, whatever it may be. <laughs> right. And then we get like the resentment and anger that kind of yes. like flare. Uh-huh. Yes. Well, and then it, you can see how it just snowballs, right? That you're like, okay, I, you must stay with me in the produce department. Well, well, then that doesn't really make somebody want to do that. And so then they don't really, see, see you don't like, it can just snowball and snowball and yeah. snowball. And in your mind, you can think, well, I've told you what I want, yeah. but mm-hmm. you haven't really done it in a way that I can hear it. Yeah. I yeah. can hear it. Yeah. That's right. I think mm-hmm. the that's other right. thing that strikes me is in a making ro- a request, right? I think that the part, there's like a grief piece here, right? Because mm. inevitably like our expectations or the fantasies we have about a relationship are not going to be true. Right. And so I think in making a request, sometimes we have to have this reckoning around like what I want and what I need is not happening. And there's great freedom in being able to say like, okay, I can ask for it. What's the capacity here? How do we work with this? But I think sometimes there's also a bit of like loss and sadness around like, it'd be so much easier. I wished it would be this way, or this is what I was wanting. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Mm-hmm. Kind of think about that. I mean, that's something that even starts in childhood, right? I think as children, we often like want our parents to like know what it is to feel like us. I see that a lot, both at work and even in my own life of like this desire, both to be separate from your parents, but also have somebody else know what it feels like to be Avery from the inside. And I think a lot of times that gets a kind of lands on our partner as well is like, you know, me, and if you really knew me, you would know what it feels like. Yeah. And there is that kind of grief and loss of like, that's not really possible. And that's, in these particular cases, they're probably not that likely. And there is a loss associated with that. Yeah. What about agreements? What sorts of agreements might we be making in relationships? Thinking about my contract that I've uh-huh. mentioned here before, <laughs> where we had some sort of, John and I had an argument. And I was kind of reflecting and aware of that there were certain things that I was doing and that he was doing that was just not working. And we did come to like a written contract of like, these are the things that I am willing to continue doing. These are the things I'm going to step out of. But it's an ongoing process. But I do think that that's in an effort to not have the same fight over and over and over again. It can be so helpful to come to those agreements about small things like chores and big things like time with family or parenting. You know, I think that to kind of not have to keep fixing the same problem over and over. This is exactly what we were referring to, Jamie, at the beginning of the podcast, where it's like, okay, the idea of do we want traditional gender roles or not? Is our relationship going to be open or closed? Like those are probably important things to like come to agreements around. And I think it's really important to remember that agreements, you know, usually are dynamic, you know, like what you make in the beginning of your relationship may not be the same as what's happening 20 years down the road. And so there needs to be a degree of flexibility, not rigidity around these agreements. That's right. But they're like living things that have to be Absolutely. renegotiated often, yes. right? So like I'm pissed my husband didn't get up with the baby in the middle of the night. Like, did right. I ask? <laughs> Am I telling him that I'm mad? Do I, I do, or do I say like, it'd be really nice if you could get up, right? I think in the beginnings of relationships with dating, this is something that comes up often. Like, should I call or not? Are we going to spend Sunday together mm-hmm. or not? Like mm-hmm. what's going to happen and how do we negotiate these rhythms? Yeah. 
I think one dynamic that's been really nice with John and I is specific to the pandemic. We kind of have this ongoing agreement. Like, what do we feel comfortable with? How are we feeling about travel? How are we feeling about getting on a plane? And it is kind of this, it's this one specific issue, but it's so dynamic. I mean, the the situation is constantly changing, but it is kind of this nice reminder of like, how are we feeling about this? Like, we don't have to just talk about COVID. Like, how are we feeling about, you know, how we're managing this thing with Wesley? How are we feeling about my work schedule, your work schedule, work it with like that kind of just checking in because it is a changing living document, so to speak, exactly. that all of the different parts of the dynamic are changing. Yeah. And so kind of this call or the invitation to make explicit what might otherwise be unspoken mm-hmm. and implicit, which can like lead to miscommunications and being on different pages. So sometimes there's some resistance around making requests and agreements. What might that be about for people? Well, the request doesn't really feel like it's under my control. Mm-hmm. People can say no. People can yeah. say no. Yeah. And that feels much more vulnerable to request something than to demand it or complain about it or have expectations around it. If I'm picturing it kind of like I'm throwing a ball into your court and you could just like watch it drop, I mean, you could volley it back or, you know what I mean? That, that there's this vulnerability and openness. Yeah. Or I might just stomp on the you ball. You might just stomp on it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so there is that like degree of openness that's required for that. Risky. Back Very. to this risky. Yeah, it is risky. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think to your point, Lucy, sometimes we want other people to read our minds because uh-huh. we may not know what it is that, <laughs> what it is yes. that we're wanting. What is I feel that way a lot. Because yes. you please order lunch for me. Yes. Right? Like, yes. I don't know. Just bring me something. Yes. Uh-huh. yes. And then like, if it's not exactly what you want it to be, you know, then there's could be frustration and whatever, like around that. So yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of things can get in the way and, and a lot of it has to do with just the stories that we tell ourselves or not having practice in doing it. Mm-hmm. Also a lot more work. Yes. Like this requires a lot of energy. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful, I think. Can be. Yeah, it's powerful. And it it comes, you know, when you're making requests versus demands, complaints, or not voicing expectations, usually that's going to come from a much more settled place within versus the other where, you know, your emotions are probably running the show. And so you're not connecting to like the wise mind piece, like where you're taking that emotional piece, the rational piece of your mind and integrating it into this wise mind kind of request. I love that point, Mm -hmm. right? So when we make requests, we allow ourselves kind of space to really like tune in and it comes from a more like grounded centered place Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. this emotional reactivity. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're getting towards the end and, and wrapping this up. So kind of combining our do try this at home with any tips and ideas for how our listeners and ourselves might work on making requests and agreements. What comes to mind? I just love this language of requests and agreements. And then also the other three things you mentioned, expectations, complaints, and demands. Mm -hmm. I think just even like attuning to that lens, right? Of pathway forward, openness, curiosity, connection, collaboration versus the closed off armoring up. I love that we've put some language to these things because I think that even just that can be really helpful to consider just on, on an internal basis. I mean, yeah. is this feeling like a demand? Am I putting this out there as a demand or a complaint? Or is this more of a request or an agreement? I love that language yeah. piece. Yeah. Awesome. I would say 
one of the things that you could do maybe is ask for feedback mm. from your partner. Like, how did that talk about <laughs> risky? How did that? That's, that is extremely risky, <laughs> probably more so than even making the request. But you know, if you're not sure about how something landed for them, mm-hmm. ask. So that way you can tune in. Is this the kind of partner that I want to be? Yep. So I think being mindful of every this time, what you were saying, like when we are making expectations, demands, complaints, right? And then can we intentionally shift that into like a request or an agreement? Mm-hmm. And how do we hold all of that with a lot of gentleness and compassion? Because speaking our truth is like vulnerable and hard and scary and that we do it for ourselves. So I think that's the other big thing that comes up. Sometimes we, well, I'll ask, but only if I get the answer I want, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. We want this certain outcome. And instead just knowing that if we do it from our own two feet, like from the centered place, and that's, it's about honoring ourselves really. Okay, Avery, next week, what will we be doing? We are going to talk about fighting fair, handling conflict in relationships. Can't wait to see you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Inspiration from the Couch.